0: Well, I must admit, the lectionary did a curious thing this week. Obviously, for the last couple of months, we've been working through a couple of series. But um, today we're back looking at the lectionary for a few weeks. And I found it strange that our text this morning starts halfway through an idea. Like the disciples weren't just walking along one day and just went to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, increase our faith. You know, as if that's an ordinary thing to ask. It actually comes after Jesus has talked to his disciples, especially in the Gospel of Luke about the need to forgive, to extend grace beyond themselves to others. It's that famous passage where even if your brother sins against you seven times in a day, you are to forgive him seven times. It's in response to that that the disciples respond, well, increase our faith. All right, because what Jesus has asked is clearly something that they felt at that time that they were unable to do. The task is too big, Jesus, increase our faith, give us something so that we can do what you've asked. But that becomes a bit of a problem because Jesus doesn't applaud them for asking for more faith. Do you notice that? They didn't say increase our faith and Jesus went, "Ah, oh, you are wise disciples. He doesn't congratulate them, he doesn't even offer to give them what they've asked they say to jesus increase our faith and jesus says if you had faith the size of a mustard seed you could tell this mulberry tree to go jump in the ocean and it would happen in a strange way he almost rebukes them a little bit he challenges their notion that they felt what they were lacking was faith and if only they had more of it they would be able to do the things that God has asked them to do give us a little bit more faith you go well, what are they asking for Jesus make this a bit easier for us we struggle to forgive so give us something that will make it easier to do this we're struggling we don't have it in ourselves to to cross over this line so give us something that will give us the strength or the power to do it I mean it's interesting When you view faith that way, faith kind of becomes a supernatural ability, doesn't it? I need a bit more of this so that I can lift a greater weight, do a greater deed, perform a greater miracle. Right, Jesus, increase in me whatever this substance is called faith. And all of a sudden, I will be able to achieve more of what you ask. I'll be more accountable. But at the moment, I don't have it. So you need to do that for me so that I can achieve what you've put in front of me. Which is interesting, to say the least, that faith is viewed that way. I think sometimes we even view faith that way. How many times have we heard from different corners of the church, and maybe you've even been told yourself, I know that I have when I've asked the Lord for something and it hasn't come. Well, that's because you don't have enough faith. Like, Wow, I don't even know where I stand on that measure. Some days I think it's pretty good, some days I think it's pretty awful. Is it just that I asked on the wrong day or at the wrong time? Or in the, you know, what, what is it that made the faith the part that makes the difference? And even if we go down the line that it is the faith that does it, here's how the Bible talks about faith. We heard a little bit from Hebrews, but faith is a gift from God. Any faith that you have is a gift from God. Ephesians 2 says it. You're justified by grace through faith. Even this is a gift from God so that no one can boast. Or you go to John chapter 15 when Jesus is talking to the disciples. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And prepared you to do good works. Therefore, ask whatever you want in my Father's name and it'll be done for you. Right? It's not because they conjured up enough in themselves to follow Jesus that he said, well, now you can ask what you like. Jesus actually turns it on his head. He said, because I've chosen you, because I've made you, because I've given you the gift of faith you can ask the father for anything and he will hear you so faith is a gift from god and so we need to be careful to say i need more or less we had a three-year-old birthday party and when she got different gifts she was very adept at saying she wants more or less of certain things and as parents that's where you go oh dear (laughs) is the person still here no okay good Right? If it's a gift, if it's given freely, if it's undeserved, who are we then to say whether or not it's right? Secondly, and it happens twice, in Ephesians chapter 4 and in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says that God apportions out our faith. So it's not that he gives us the ability to have faith, but whatever faith you have is the amount that God means you to have. Right? It's not as if he's lacking in what he gave you. I'll give you a little bit and then I'll see what you do with it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a fraction and then you can work the rest of the way up to, to the full amount so that you can whatever. No, the Bible says that faith is a gift and it is measured out by God as he sees fit. And So for us to question the amount of faith we have is actually to question the sufficiency of God which I don't think is something that we'd be too inclined to do. We're happy to say, I need more faith or I need more something else. But you say, are you challenging the sufficiency of God? A lot of people go, oh, no, hang on. That's a a bridge too far, right? And here's the, the ultimate thing that the Bible says about faith. It's not about the amount of faith that you have that makes the difference. It's the object of it, right? I think that's where, Wayne, your kid's talk touched on it beautifully you can put a whole lot of faith in the wrong things and nothing is going to happen right it's the object that makes the difference and so for us the object is Christ and here's the thing in this life you know the the disciples were were challenging I guess in themselves the faith that they had and and what they saw as their insufficiency to forgive and so they turned to Jesus for him to meet the need but they thought what they needed was for Jesus to increase something in them Jesus says, "No, all you need to do is have me as the object of your faith. It's not as if we have to coerce God or the universe or, or the world around us. We don't have to bend it to fit our ideas and our imaginations about what God wants to happen. You know We are, well, God is love and God is caring, therefore I've got to make that happen." I mean, do you realise that God cares more about his creation, we heard this last week, than we ever will? You know, God cares more for the sick, and the lonely, and the downtrodden, more than we could ever even begin to comprehend. You know, God as a person, not like Star Wars, uh, an unknowable force, right, that we want to coerce and, and move and manipulate to create good or bad things but, but God as a person who said that he loves all his creation, that he loves people, that it's his desire that people be saved, that's it's his desire that people be forgiven, that he when we failed <clears throat> stepped into creation and created a way in and through himself for all this to be done He's the one who is the object of our faith. And so, as Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, like a fraction, you know, and you think that's not enough, Jesus says, you place that in me. Anything's possible. Not because then we become more powerful, but because we're recognizing the fact that Jesus already is. We're recognising the fact that our insufficiencies are irrelevant when we are servants of the Master who has all power and all authority to do all things in heaven and on earth. Faith isn't us trying to change the world. Faith is us turning to Jesus and saying, you are going to do it. And then we, as God's people, have the joy and the privilege of seeing Him at work. Seeing the way in which He turns the world on its head, seeing how he creates forgiveness where those who sinned against even Jesus to the point of crucifying him can hear words spoken from that very cross, Father, forgive them. Could you ever, do you think, conjure up enough faith to match Jesus? Can we, as God's people, as insufficient as we are, turn instead to Jesus and say your will be done and trust that he will fulfill it in the world and in us what does this mean it means when we can't forgive when we find it too hard when we can't let go of things it's not try and conjure pleasant feelings in yourself for those other people but turn to Christ right go back to the gospel go back to the one who says you are forgiven you are set free Right? and trust in him to be the one who works forgiveness in us and around us. It's when you're worrying and you're up at three in the morning going, what am I going to do and how am I going to fix it and what's the next step? It's not then to write out a great plan because if you're like me, you've ever written a plan at 3am and it sounded fantastic as you're, as you're working through it and all those extra details and you wake up in the morning you look at it and you go, what the heck was I thinking? Right? What do we do at those times? Jesus doesn't say, do not worry, but you know, sort it out. Make a good plan. says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, which is Jesus himself. Turn to Jesus. Have him meet all your needs. Allow him to be sufficient for you. And then in that, know that far and above what we comprehend, God is at work. The world wasn't ready for Jesus, he came anyway, right? The Roman Empire was going to put a stop to him and that's how he achieved his greatest victory, yeah? That's why Paul writes, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I take myself out of the picture, as if I've got to be in control and I relinquish that to Jesus and say, Lord, you are the one who is in control and know better than I it's in that that we experience the fullness of the gospel and the full power of God. So I don't know about you. There have been many a times when I've prayed for something to go a certain way where I've in faith trusted that I had it all mapped out and I'm pursuing something and it goes wrong and you cry out, Why God? Why hasn't this worked out the way I thought it was meant to? And then sometime down the track, you yeah, sorry for that, Lord. You know, I've caught a bit of a glimpse of what you were really doing at that time and I was so far off base then. At the end of the day, we're the ones who want the control. We're the ones who want to be in charge, right? The disciples, increase our faith, give us what we need so we can go and do this, Jesus. Jesus says, look at me, focus on me if you want to truly see things done. All right, so let go of the control. And just to reinforce that, he tells arguably one of the most difficult parables that Jesus tells. Who of you, having a servant who comes in from a hard day's work, tending the sheep and working the fields, comes in and you say to your servant, here, sit down, put your feet up, grab a cool drink, let me serve you, let me get everything ready for you. You've done something wonderful for me, now I'm going to do something wonderful for you. Jesus, who of you would do that? No one. Your servant comes in, you tell him to go have a bath because he stinks. Did you catch that? Go clean yourself up, right? You stink. Then get me something to eat and something to drink, right? Tend to me. And then after that, you can have something yourself. And so with you, Jesus says, after you've done everything that you can do, say, I am but an unworthy servant I've." Only done what I was commanded. And you go, oh my goodness. That's a hard thing for Jesus to say. I mean, all his disciples said to him was, Increase our faith. And he told them, Who are you to ask me for anything? You know, that you come in, this isn't quid pro quo. You don't get to do a little bit and then say, See, Jesus, look what we've done. Now give us something in return. Right? See, we've tried, we've strived, we've asked for faith, we put the right question in front of you. Now, Do something for us. Jesus says, that's not how it works, guys. And it's actually good news, because if it was ever quid pro quo, it would always be quid pro quo. If that was the nature of God, where he responded to us getting it right with giving us something else, then that would be the nature of God, which means for salvation, we would have to get something right for God to give it to us. That's why it's good news that Jesus says, don't worry about how much you think inside of you you've got faith. If you trust in me with just like the ounce, which is the gift that I've given you, and your prayers are poor and dry and hollow, that's fine because I love you, I care for you, I have died for you, that you would be mine. And if it's just that little ounce that gets you to turn to me, that little gift that I've given you has got you to the point where you're even praying to me as if I can do something about it, then you need to simply trust that I will take care of you in a way that you could never ask or imagine. Even if you had what you figured was the right amount of faith, God will still do infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And it's good news because we come before a master who isn't waiting for us to see how he responds because he never did that with us in the first place. It's good news because then we know what God is like throughout our lives and the lives of the world around us. When we see pain and suffering and and so often we want to ask the question, where is God? We say God is still here in the midst of it. And he's not waiting for... Someone to get it right before he wants to save them. He's not waiting for people to prove themselves worthy before he loves them. Yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, even if you're struggling with the image of servant and master, haven't we been bought? By the blood of Jesus? Oh, is it, can, can we say that God is our master and we are his servant? Well... Part of the story is yes. And for us to be in his family and in his kingdom, he gave away everything. I mean, we might look at ourselves and say, there's nothing that I have on offer that has earned me the right to be in the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus put everything he had on offer to make us worthy To be in the kingdom of God and so it's not based on us or how we feel or where we're at but it's based on his goodness and his faithfulness and he doesn't change and so when we talk about faith we need to be careful that we do not paint the picture that we have somehow in and of ourselves generated enough to get God to respond to us. Right? That somehow, we've shown God that we're worth the miracle, worth the grace, worth the forgiveness. The greatest testimony of the gospel is to say the opposite. I've got nothing to show and God has chosen me. That's grace. That's the unmerited favour of God. So even for Jesus to suggest that we call ourselves unworthy servants isn't to put ourselves down, but it's to lift him up. Jesus put before the disciples the need to forgive, and it scared them. It did, and they turned around and they said, we can't do this, increase our faith. And Jesus said, no, I'll redirect it. And I'll become the object of your faith. Because you didn't choose me, I chose you. I gave you this place, I gave you this name. I made you mine, I bought you. And in me, Jesus says, you will have all that you need. Do not worry about how much faith you have. God has given you what he saw fit to give you. Instead question, where am I placing it? Always and forever in the unmerited favor of a savior? Or in my own ability to get things done? Jesus loves us, we can't change that. He died for us, we won't undo that. He gives us faith, even even if it's a skerrick, to look to him To trust in him by his spirit, to call him Lord and Master, and in so doing, receive a place in his kingdom, even if it seems an inconsequential place. It is still the greatest place that we as humanity can find ourselves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. At times, we want you to make it easier for us. That we imagine that if you did more for us, we'd be able to do more for you. Help us to recognise that as your people, we have received your spirit. As those who live in your kingdom, we have been set free by all that you have given for us. Even your very life for salvation. So draw us out of ourselves, out of the places where we feel inadequate, out of the places where we feel like we've got it totally under control. Draw us out of ourselves that our faith may rest in you. And whatever comes, whatever we experience, wherever we go, we may know the truth that you are already doing for us more than we could ever ask or imagine. That you are not simply repaying our kindness to you. But even when we were against you, you gave your all. In true faith, in true trust in you, help us to live confident, humble, dedicated lives. In your name we pray. Amen.